Hey, what's up? Thanks again for joining another episode of the Cart Overflow Podcast. I'll be your host today, Gen Furukawa. And today I wanted to do something different, just a, a quick solo episode, because I recently came across the future of e-commerce in 2021, which was a report that Shopify put together on obviously the future of e-commerce and a look back at 2020, what went down, the changes that occurred, and obviously everybody knows, huge game changer for e-commerce life in general the pandemic there were so many things at play here shopify did a really amazing job of putting together a thorough insightful piece lots of data statistics and also actionable insights from the merchants and how they how they navigated through changes that they made things that are going to come down the pipeline both in regards to the changes in 2021 and just the general change in technology, consumer behavior, and all of these things. So Shopify's piece was really awesome. I'll drop a link in the show notes, but I just wanted to share some of my takeaways, some of the things that I thought were most important and interesting and things that I'll probably be acting on as I'm working on helping merchants and building out a Shopify app. So at a high level, let's just start with what the trends are that Shopify identifies. And then I'd like to just share some of my takeaways. So I will try and keep this concise. I've made some notes and we'll get right to it. So here are the five trends that Shopify notes. Number one is that e-commerce boom fuels online competition record online competition. We'll get into the specifics of what those numbers are. The second trend, new consumer behaviors reshape the future of retail. The third, fulfillment emerges as a competitive differentiator. I think we all know that we've become accustomed to spoiled by even same day delivery from Amazon Prime. These expectations will cascade to what we expect from independent brands, online merchants that are Shopify owned that don't have the benefit of scale that Amazon does. The fourth piece is brand building challenged by marketplace dominance. This gets into the Shopify versus Amazon and when shoppers choose to go to the convenience and ease, the reliability of Amazon versus going to an independent brand that's on Shopify. And then the fifth and perhaps most important trend that Shopify identifies is that retention becomes a top priority as acquisition costs spike. There are a lot of underlying trends to why acquisition costs are increasing. We'll get into it. So going back to the very first point, what are the macro trends at play now? And per one McKinsey study, there's a 10-year growth in just three months in terms of e-commerce. And that's e-commerce as a percentage of retail sales. So 150 million new shoppers came online during the pandemic. And this is a huge change in both e-commerce and shopping behavior in general, because there are a lot of, a lot of retailers in person or brick and mortar stores, even wholesale sailors that were forced to sell online as uh, quarantine restrictions were imposed, people weren't allowed to go out or there were limited capacity allowances. So people had to sell online and likewise people opted to buy online. So things that weren't usually purchased online, things like household goods or groceries were all of a sudden the norm. Uh, I look at my parents who are in their mid 70s and they're st still 
figuring it out but they're now purchasing things online that they've never done before so this at, at a large scale drives a huge growth in e-commerce purchasing online will this continue well in the shopify piece they suggest that e-commerce growth will slow in by 2022 but this is a new norm that people are going to be purchasing online and that those that have not had a an online sales channel will have to get used to it and and make the the appropriate changes so this is what i find to be one of the biggest changes that's most important and that's the increase in competition so one one reason is there are just more people buying online and more people selling online and one of the takeaways here is that branding is going to become more important so you can buy from amazon and amazon is kind of where people go for the convenience and ease there is less of a reliance on brand 70 percent of people will start their search on amazon but not use a branded term think of the last thing i bought online was a fire pit I don't know anything about fire pits, but I just Google a non-branded search. So that's like a uh, an outdoor fire pit. And then we'll go from there. The, I make my purchase decision based on what the customer reviews, the social proof, the actual benefits of the product are. But I'm not looking for a brand. However, for those independent brands or I should say Shopify brands, those that are not relying on the marketplace itself, Branding becomes essential and people are willing to pay more for uh, a brand story. They're willing to pay more to support entrepreneurs. The data shows this in the report and they are they love the story and the humanized aspect of brands. So that's really important. Also, where the competition is increasing is in the acquisition costs so this is largely due to increased ad costs that's just simple economics supply and demand more people are online more people are trying to be found more people are bidding on keywords for paid search and also just running more paid social ads so uh, this includes everywhere everyone from legacy wholesalers to large retail giants like Walmart, they're expanding their e-commerce initiatives and so therefore the digital competition is increasing. This means acquisition costs are increasing. Another interesting point here is that there's actually a, a huge global element to this. So more people are buying from abroad. The US leads in terms of cross-border e-commerce, meaning buying from overseas. But what's interesting here is that there's a, a big shift. So the US is buying more, but then China is actually going, is starting to buy more. So pre-pandemic, China was fourth, but they've moved up to second during the pandemic in terms of cross-border commerce. So this means that you're not only getting domestic competition, but also international. Then a few data points that will indicate that this is a case for example is you look at translation apps that's up 3300 percent worldwide that means people who are using apps to purchase on sites where they don't speak that native language 
also there are currency conversion apps that are, are doing really well here so as the competition increases what can you actually do about it and this is where the customer experience becomes a huge differentiator so customer experience includes the mobile experience is your site responsive is your site fast there's a lot of studies and numbers show how quickly people are how quick people are to bounce off of a site if there is a slow load time. So it's 53% of consumers will abandon a site that takes longer than three seconds to load on mobile. And even so, people on mobile are far more finicky and have a higher bounce rate anyway than desktop. So I think the, the mobile impact is really important. Site speed, focusing on conversion rate optimization and just reducing all barriers and all potential obstacles, bottlenecks, in the conversion process is really one of those the most important initiatives that you might want to consider when reducing the or, or addressing the competition the competitive element I, I think the second big change is that customer experience is becoming a huge differentiator so what are these customer changes well, there's an increased focus on the convenience, the immediacy, the ease that we are getting used to. And I think large, uh, a large part of this comes from our being accustomed to it from purchasing on Amazon, uh, that shipping becomes a competitive advantage you want fast free shipping and ideally also one interesting element is the sustainable element of it that you know uh, blue apron for example they were doing uh, a lot they had some flack for the amount of packaging and and plastic and dry ice that goes into it that's just one small example but people are becoming aware of how sustainable the packaging is so the in terms of the customer experience i did mention the mobile the speed so headless commerce is something this is basically where the back end of a store is completely separate from the front end and what a customer interacts with i am not well versed at this at all from a technical perspective but it basically disintermediates the front end and the back end to allow for a faster loading time and i believe it will be asynchronous so what the user does on the back end and what goes on i mean the user does on the front end and the gears that are cranking on the back end are completely separated in terms of customer experience one thing from the pandemic that is making a an emergence is local pickup op options so this is where shopify is uniquely positioned with a point of sale system also ties in with their online online merchant and inventory system but buying online and picking up in person increases the likelihood of a purchase or a conversion and so data shows that shoppers who choose a local pickup are 13% more likely to complete their purchase and spend 23% more. So you're seeing a higher conversion rate and a higher average order of value. Now, talking about conversion rate, there are some key points from this that you can take away and improve, I think, build upon in 2021. 
which is just to improve the overall checkout experience. So this includes things like allowing customers to save their payment and shipping information. So this makes it for makes for a far faster, a 60% faster checkout experience. You can also eliminate steps in the add to cart process to make it even faster and then buy directly from the product pages. And then the, the last thing is to add the buy now pay later solution. So you might be seeing more of this companies like Affirm that offer kind of like a layaway program for purchasing. The third big change I think is brand building. And this is this stems from what Shopify calls the marketplace dominance, which refers to Amazon, Google, Walmart, Target. All of these are large, obviously huge drivers in the global e-commerce game, and they account for half of all global e-commerce sales. Uh, that is, all of half of all global e-commerce sales occur in marketplaces. Uh, a lot of this also is overseas in China, where there are huge marketplaces. But the marketplaces are a double-edged sword because you quickly get this scale where you can sell globally and you get the exposure, but you also lose out on margin because obviously Amazon, Google, Walmart, they take their retailers cut, their referral cut, and then also the data is owned by Amazon, by Google. And Amazon was under fire earlier this year in terms of how they were actually using the merchant data to, to create their own Amazon basics branded stuff. So the marketplaces are really interesting in terms of how they will, they're a necessary evil in some ways, but also how you're merchandising your product. And I think one, one takeaway here is that the importance of brand and the brand story, the founder story, why this product is unique, and then the humans behind it that the customers are interacting with, that's largely, say, the support, or if it's a larger average order value product, maybe there's a sales team. And so that human element is one way to differentiate the independent Shopify store from the, the larger marketplace. Another sub bullet here is where personalization is really important. And so personalization, if it really is kind of like at scale, automated in email or the web experience that's working on data, or if it's actually a human, it's what Shopify quotes as too lucrative to ignore. So to put a number to that, retailers estimate that personalization can unlock $2.95 trillion this decade. I can't quite wrap my head around that or even understand what the inputs are that would amount to that. However, I do know from my personal experience as a consumer and seeing some of the data that people are more interested in working with or buying, supporting retailers that offer a personalized experience, they are more willing to share the necessary information in order to create personalized experiences. And from what I've seen, I'm working on an app basically to help brands personalize this experience by asking shoppers directly what they're looking for, what their interests are, what their preferences are. That all moves towards personalization. So it's something that I've personally taken a, a uh, large interest and working on improving. 
So the last step that I think is really important and interesting from this piece is the importance of retention. So this goes back to the increase in customer acquisition costs. Things are getting more expensive. There are more people selling online across more channels, but and ad costs are increasing. So more specifically, paid search costs have increased 17%. There was a slight dip during the pandemic when people pulled back from their ad spend. But right now, and, and this is according this in mid-December 2020, paid search is up 17%, paid social up 20%. So the ad costs are increasing. There's a, a greater reliance at this point on third-party data. So that's data that you might get from uh, cookies. So that drives remarketing campaigns on Facebook and, and Google networks. Those costs are increasing. And so the importance of a customer and the, the importance of driving second, third, fourth purchases from an acquired customer becomes more important. More so, there's this has driven more of an expansion into experimenting with other channels. So that's video commerce, that's voice commerce, that's TikTok or connected TVs, which I think is really interesting that it, it, it just the natural progression of channels the impact, the efficacy of channels decreases, so acquisition costs increase, but there are still more platforms that are emerging where target customers for specific brands are. And so it, it just makes sense that some of these new channels will emerge in importance. And the last point, one actionable area of addressing the importance of retention, the increase in costs is focusing on recurring subscriptions. So uh, recurring subscriptions will boost retention and drive recurring revenue, which is the best type of revenue just because of the ex expected and linear growth that you can get from it. So in terms of loyalty and driving more out of existing customers and retention, what can you do? And I think that Shopify offered a few really important points here, actionable takeaways, and that is just to dig into the most important customers. So who are those best customers? I think one easy metric is to just look at uh, lifetime value, so that's in a dollar value, but then also in number of purchases, and that's repeat purchases. And so what is a lifetime value? What is a general path to the first purchase, the second purchase, the third purchase, and then you can kind of use those at a high level in averages in terms of creating the, the customer journey and when you might want to run certain promotions or uh, messages or just kind of move more for the conversion as opposed to the relationship building. And then another really important thing is how to earn loyalty to boost repeat businesses. And so these are things like uh, customer rewards, loyalty programs. So customers who enroll in loyalty programs are 47% more likely to make that second purchase. So it, it can be things like VIP programs that offer exclusivity or early access to new programs or entry into sweepstakes, offer behind the scenes look into the brands. There are tactical things that would help drive loyalty to ultimately drive repeat business.
And then the last part is how you rank your customers, how you prioritize your customers, and then treat them differently as a result. So there's there's some segmentation that you're doing in terms of what what you expect certain customers to purchase, what the persona would purchase, and then the messaging that you're offering as a result, and then how you're moving through, moving that customer through the post-purchase automation of say, a 60, 90, 120 day campaign. Anyway, so this is about 20 minutes at this point, longer than I was anticipating, but I highly recommend that you take a look at this Shopify piece. Again, it will be in the show notes and maybe just pull out one or two initiatives that might be most impactful, whether it is increasing the personalization, whether it is helping to bring forward the brand that you're building or how you're able to connect with some of your most important, your most loyal, high lifetime value customers. Anyway, that's it for me. Thanks so much for joining. It is uh, mid-December. Hope it is a great holiday season and look forward to seeing you next week. All right, thanks, bye. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or wanna share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.